welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. Jim and Roth are here. Uh, unfortunately, Chris has some pressing no, matters, Chris. so he's not around to say, you know. That's my butter! But maybe next week he'll be back. <laughs> we'll have to see how that goes. Nothing to see here, nothing to see here at nothing all. Nothing going on here at all. No, I don't know. I thought I heard something a minute ago, but no, <laughs> odd little noises. Um, no ginger here. No, no, none whatsoever. <laughs> So, let's dive in. We've been at Started, a little... It's my final podcast. I was going to save that to the end. You were going to say... Did I yeah. do a spoiler? A bit. You spoiled it. I you spoiled wanna, it? Let's just get out of the way it's now my... so they can cry throughout the entire thing and not hear what you I, say. I, 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 I think there are zero humans who would cry over that news, but... It is my final podcast, so let's make it a good one, For, for IGN, you are moving on from IGN. I am moving on from IGN, and I'm going... This is, this is one last ride. <laughs> <laughs> one last boob gesture for the one ride. last well no there'll be more throughout the podcast but the, <laughs> the t-shirt is one last ride i am moving on to other yonders other yonders so um, we're gonna miss you here at keeping it real at ign uh it's been what like two years and change it's been like two and a half almost three years i'm gonna miss it a lot i'm gonna miss you guys a lot thank you for always listening and being awesome you can always else. find her at at roth Cornette on twitter and my new job, which I will be talking about yeah, on Twitter. <laughs> she'll let you know where that's coming up. So, yes, that was the little Carl cameo was the last time the, the, the three bears here will, will be together. But it's a small town. It's a small industry. We will cross paths many times, I'm sure. So, where have we been for the last few days? Holy bananas! Beautiful San Diego. For the world is vagina, as <laughs> Ron told us. Uh, Comic-Con. We've been at Comic-Con, and you did um, a buttload of interviews down there, and I uh, was in Hall H for several of the, the big panels. You did a ton of interviews, too, though, the first I did couple do. days. Travis Fimmel from Vikings yeah. grabbed my ass. You win Comic-Con, I, I think. I think I did, actually. <laughs> I think I did win Comic-Con. Um, and then we had, like, you know, we have a huge TV presence down there, and we did the live stream and all that. But, you know, in terms of the movies that were down there, boy, did we really get a, a good crop of stuff this year. So let's let's dive in and talk about some of the big highlights of, of Comic-Con. Let's start with DC. Mm. In our opinion, um, you know, they, along with Deadpool, kind of really won Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, you've, you've seen the trailers that were released. Let's start with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. What did you think of the trailer? I enjoyed the trailer. You know, it's, it was the interesting thing to me was that the first time I watched it, it was muted. So it was just us in the big room watching it at the live stream. Yeah. And so I saw the images, but I didn't hear it. And I didn't realize until later that it was... It was Superman investigating Batman, which right. I like. I thought that was such an interesting turn. Yeah. We've been. I think they'll be investigating each other. You know, Batman's going to be doing his detecting business, and you know, Clark's going to be doing his journalist stuff. It really wouldn't take much of a, a detective to figure out Clark Kent and Superman. Are the it same really guy. would not. How how there is a room <laughs> full of investigative journalists and no, and he's in front of like a Senate hearing, and there's yeah. cameras, and you're like. Really? You yeah. can't just okay. He parts his hair different. Come on, it's that a pair of chin. Wait, it's like, where's Jim? Yeah, oh, where's I don't him? honestly know. Right here. Oh, go, I'm back. Oh God, I'm back. Look at that. I mean, I just to me, it's kind of he's not even trying to do the Chris Reeve like two different personalities, so you can't even tell. But yeah. overall, though, I mean, what did you think of sort of the approach, and was it better in your opinion than the first trailer you saw? 
The first trailer was just so brief, and I think it just set up like, I feel like you like it just set up the idea of like Superman and Batman are gonna fight, and like yeah, that's yeah. kind of all it takes to get you revved <laughs> up. You're like, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and and this I think was getting. Um, a little bit more into the story, though Wonder Woman just pops up no context. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, we're just not sure how she fits into the story stuff. But it was great to see her um, in action. She know. looked great, though. Yeah, she really um, did. You know. Jesse Eisenberg's wig was a little... Did well, you I find think the fact that we know that... Because the first image they released of him is that he's bald. So right. we know he's going to be bald in the movie. And that was one of the things that uh, I found a little disconcerting in the reactions from people was that... You know, they knew it was a wig because they had seen him bald. You see actors with wigs all the time. I mean, Christopher Reeve wore a wig as Superman. Right. You know? It's like, so it was, uh, you know, so it's a little, I'll give him that, you know, we don't know how he loses his hair if he's wearing a wig. Lex Luthor was wearing wigs in the early Superman movies, so it's not what about, like out what of if character. It's some, like, what if it's like exposure? Could be, yeah. I mean, if he's screwing around with, like, kryptonite. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's actually interesting. What if it's, like, a radiation poisoning? Yeah. And, you know, that could explain why, you know, Lex Luthor in the comics has that, like, purple and green kind of battle armor. Yeah. If they wanted to ever get really comic booky with him and put him in the armor, that could be something, like, that's a really great idea, actually. Is like, what if he is getting exposed, exposed to this to stuff? Exposed to it, and it's like... And he needs a suit to keep him alive. Wow, yeah. look, we just fanfic that. We fanfic it. Unless it's really it happening, then we just predicted. Exactly. Yeah, neither of us have read the script, so nope. we, don't, we don't know. We're just guessing. Uh, what did you think of... You know, it, it definitely and purposely evoked a lot of 9-11 type imagery. Uh, you know, and they, they are clearly, like, dealing with the events of the last act of Man of Steel. But I did love seeing Bruce Wayne charge into the debris as everyone else was trying to charge out. Yeah. The fact that, you know, Wayne Tower basically is like yeah. one of the trade centers, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, and it's it's a really interesting kind of meta thing, I think, that happened where the audience that went to see Man of Steel had this huge reaction to all that destruction. And they said, and rather than backing off from it, they said, okay, we'll deal with it yeah. in the next movie, which I think is a really smart move to yeah. sort of keep your audience going. And narratively, know? it ties in perfectly yeah. with with what the, where they're going with this series anyways. And, and you know, I think that there, there are more people than not kind of overly criticizing the fact that they're going to reference, you know, the Battle of Metropolis, but we've been hearing about the Battle of Manhattan mm -hmm. throughout all the other Marvel movies now since Avengers and on S.H.I.E.L.D. So, right. you know, they're doing it too. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could just say it's, well, this is a reaction of, of you know, fans, uh, fans not liking that. Well, I mean, they listen to you then, you know, like, Which what do you great. want them to ignore it, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's actually great, and I think from what it looks like, they're dealing with it in an interesting way. Yeah. Now, what did you think of uh, the fact that we see that this is a universe where Robin existed, but he's dead, and Joker got him? Yeah. He, you know, what did you think of that little reveal? I think what I what's exciting is especially after I saw this because I wasn't in the panel and yeah. so I didn't see the Suicide Squad trailer until they released it officially. officially. Um, that's true. So I, that makes me more excited because that Joker seems so well. The Joker's the Joker, right? Yeah. And so I I, I think that's like they're not backing off from tying them together at right, all. Right. Um, which I thought they would at first, but really? then. Well, before I heard that Batman was going to be in Suicide Squad, right. I thought maybe just to try to get a little distance from 
um, dark any night. the dark night, yeah, yeah, exactly. That they would try to keep them in separate for a period of time at least, and then bring them together. Yeah. But they're not, which I like, and they're also not backing off from the idea of like the emotional trauma that this man has been through. Yeah, um, just like the, the the fact that he has that one line to where it's like, you know, twenty years in Gotham, how many good guys are left? How many have stayed that way? Even as Alfred is trying to, you know, uh, hector him basically into like this this is not your enemy and yeah. you're a good man turning cruel and all that. So it was interesting too to see like Jeremy Irons, Alfred is a, a different kind of Alfred. Mm -hmm. A little, you know, little younger, a little more kind of, um, uh, you know, it doesn't look frail at all. In fact, if anything, he's got kind of like five o'clock shadow and kind of, he looks like more like, um, almost like a tinkerer that's been in the, the basement building stuff, you know? He looks more like a, he's not a contemporary, but he looks, closer to a contemporary yeah. still mentor. More like a big brother. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah, like more of a yeah, more of a big brother than a dad figure, which is an interesting twist to their dynamic yeah. because he will both listen to him less and listen to him more. Right. As in that position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's it, it's cool. I mean, I, who'd have thought that Alfred would be the character that you could kind of keep reinventing, you know? I know. And uh, so that's that's cool. And I also one more thing about the trailer that I liked was the the fact that you do get uh, a sense of sort of thematically like why Bruce Wayne views Superman this way and why the world is so divided and that it is such a personal thing. And it, it makes you wonder then what is going to be, at some point there has to be an external threat that will unite them against. And we, and you know, obviously Lex Luthor is in there, but you know, he's a scrawny tech genius and mm -hmm. we do see that we don't know what they're called we don't know are they the red capes i think that's just a joke yeah but um but you know those shock troops with the superman things mm -hmm. and they like worship him or something yeah the, that element i think is really fascinating because yeah. i feel like it does tap into a lot of what would happen in reality yeah. you know there would be those people with vastly divergent opi divergent um <laughs> opinions about someone something like that yeah. there were people people calling for him to be locked up he's dangerous he's yeah. too powerful God, there that, would be yeah. people worshiping yeah. there would be all you definitely manner get that in the trailer you know yeah there'd be all manner of nut houses out yeah. there you know <laughs> <laughs> and the the guys in the suit it to me uh, in those suits the shock troops i'm just going to call them you know there was that great shot too you see batman with sort of that alternate outfit with the yeah. goggles the desert kind of gear uh but in a way, it kind of reminds me of in Dark Knight Returns how Batman had like the mutant gang with the Batman symbols on their face and the idea of these basically sickos and just brute force guys mm -hmm. that kind of seem to worship you uh, even though he has to then destroy them. But um, let me see, what else was there about the trailer? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, uh, what did you think of um, the the fact that we also get you know, there is Ma Kent giving this sort of like, the, the advice she seems to give him about like, you don't owe this world anything. It's kind of like the antithesis of like, Pa Kent in the old Superman movie of like, you know, you are here for a reason. Right. Know? Like it seems like, you know, between that and the first movie there were, where Jonathan Kent's like, let them die or whatever, you know, it's like, they seem like they really don't want them to do anything for people. You know? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I don't know if I read it that way. I think it's more that that protective feeling that you feel. 
Okay, so it can be in theory, there's this person that can save the world. Well, of course they should, but if it's your child yeah. and it puts them in extreme danger and people aren't treating them well, yeah. well then you might have a different tune, you yes. know? <laughs> I think that's very human. Like yeah. if it was somebody that I loved very, very much that was being attacked that way, yeah. I might just say, you don't owe them anything. You know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see sort then of people what people are drowning in whatever you want. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be really interesting confusing. to see, though, like, uh, <laughs> will the public at some point, everyone's going to have to embrace Superman because we have Justice League coming. Right. You're not going to be able to keep doing this whole like the world is divided thing. Like at some point he has to show like we need Superman. He's mm -hmm. a good guy and everyone's going to put their crap aside, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, so put I, your crap aside. Put your crap aside, humans. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of theories that maybe Doomsday is in the movie, mm -hmm. but it was also, oh, the other thing, uh, that we see General Zod pop up in the body bag, and there, there had been rumors about that, yeah. mind you, but, you know, it, it's... Uh, They're not backing off of the things that people, which I like about it, the yeah. things that, that, that the fan base responded to. Yeah. Vocally. I mean, this seems like the story picks up pretty much right after the events of Man of Steel. And uh, Zack Snyder also pointing out that Gotham and Metropolis are basically San Francisco and Oakland. Right. The prosperous city, and then the one right next door that's, well, not so prosperous yeah. and kind of crime-ridden. Although, I, I don't, I've really been to Oakland much, I guess, I don't know, maybe they're, it's getting better, but, you know, just traditionally, yeah. it's been that way. So I think that's kind of interesting, you know, mm -hmm. putting them, like, right next door like that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because also it speaks about, like, the city that Batman's coming from and his sort yeah. of perspective and his, you know, just, like, look at this guy who thinks he can do anything. That yeah. perspective that, uh, like, you may have about the wealthy yeah. who run around thinking they can do anything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's move on from BV. Do you have any final thoughts on Batman versus Superman? Since it's your last podcast with IGN, any final words on Batman v Superman? Um, these are the last words you will ever say <laughs> on this matter. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it, it, we'll be talking about my very favorite trailer soon enough. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it was a strong one, and it sort of made me that much more intrigued by the film that I still have some questions. Yeah, um, more confident or less confident in it? I think more, but it's also a trailer. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So yep. it's like, we can we can say which trailers we loved the most, but I don't think that yeah. ever really tells us about the movie. The marketing campaigns are so often completely off from what the movie yeah. is. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that about Ant-Man, and we're going to talk about that mm -hmm. a little later. I agree. Ant-Man's a perfect example. You know, I, with each TV spot I, I've seen for that movie, it looks less and less appealing, but it's a good movie. Yeah. We've both seen it. We're going to talk about it at the end. Your, your uh, review is actually on the site. So let's talk about the other big DC win from Comic-Con, Suicide Squad. What did you think of that trailer? I loved that trailer. Awesome, to me, right? that trailer, it, nothing's really going to beat Star Wars because you, you, you and I and Scott were all in that panel. Yeah. And I just kind of like floated out of it. You know, <laughs> I was so ecstatic and elated and unable just to be. Just seeing the big three together. Yes, right? the whole thing. And like totally unable to be even this much cynical in, right. in those moments. <laughs> um, but I hadn't seen Suicide Squad. That is awesome. It looks so good. Margot Robbie just is killing Killed it. Killed it. I mean, she stole the show from 
Will Smith from Jared Leto's yeah. Joker from it. Like, and it is kind of like her story in the trailer. Like, just the fact that they use that, like, BG song, uh, I, uh, I Told a Joke or uh -huh. whatever it was. Um, you know, and it, it, it kind of goes with her story because you see her as Harley Quinn. And then it ends with basically her as Harley Quinzel getting essentially tortured by Joker yeah. to become who she who is. Who she did become, yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, it was just a fascinating and just creepy effective trailer. What did you think of the Joker? I liked it better in action than than the still photo. Uh, you know, I'm really over the whole, you know, that yeah. shot. I've, you know, it's the only image we've had of him <clears throat> for a while. But I thought, you know, it was brief but effective. Sorry. <coughs> Sorry, I die on our last podcast <laughs> together. She poisoned me. I know it. Um, Out he, with a bang. <laughs> that's right. Um, would just be like Harley Quinn to do that. Uh, I, I think it was, I think the curious thing is, okay, if he basically created Harley Quinn, does that rob her of what made her her? Like she, maybe she was a little nuts to begin with, but she chose to be with that guy. She broke bad, to, to borrow a phrase from a, apparently a TV show people like. Um, you know, it, I feel like there's different interpretations, though. Yeah, maybe, or is he just releasing what's already inside of it? I mean, I think it's, well, we won't know until we see the movie, you know, yeah. because um, she could have been tortured and broken in a different way, mm. um, but that's the way she broke, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it does, yeah. you know, and I think that it's often like, their contact is the impetus for her becoming her. Right. You know, so I think that's fine. It's it's in yeah. line with the character. What'd you think of uh, the looks of some of the characters? I love Killer Croc. I thought that mm -hmm. makeup effect was awesome. And, and it's funny because like the whole time I'd been fairly confident that it would play better on film than it did in still images and it yeah. does. Yeah, you know? it does. Even the costumes themselves, like, you know, uh, as comic booky as some of them look, it looks good on screen, yeah. you know? I also loved Amanda Waller. Yeah, Viola right? Davis killed She was it. great. Yeah. She was she totally Are captured you, devil, you know, yeah. who that person that would be she that could she could scare these people into yeah. doing what she wants. And that she, and I like the fact what was it that I put them in a hole and then I threw it away? Yeah, I threw the hole away. Yeah, you like, yep, that <laughs> sounds like Amanda Waller. Yeah. You know. And um also the uh, the fact that we got that little Batman camera. So we had two trailers yes. this weekend with Batman yeah. in there. All um, the Batman you won more. And I, the Joker's goons and Eric Goldman and I did a rewind um, on this trailer, but it's a, you know, the Joker's goons have that kind of psychological warfare mm -hmm. thing that the movie's clearly going for. The scary masks and trying to figure out what their, you know, what their um, plan is. And you do see, you could miss it, but we caught it in the rewind. One moment where it looks like the Joker and his goons are breaking into... A, a factory that has like some sort of biochem munitions or something, some sort of rockets. You know, mm -hmm. we're assuming they have like VX gas or something. Maybe they're going to take over Alcatraz, all of the rock. I don't know. Um, that would be so awesome. Right? The exact <laughs> same plot as the <laughs> exactly, rock. Exactly. You know, it turns like... I mean, think about it. It could yeah. be. You know, <laughs> no, but. Um, you know, it's uh, actually think about it. They in that it one, they need does make a, sense. a convict to yeah. help them go and get the. Yeah. We just figured it's, out Suicide Squad is a Michael plot. Bay movie. <laughs> it's the plot of the rock. Holy crap. <laughs> we nailed it, people. Um, um, but you yeah, assume that. We're going to stand by that one, damn it. It's the mm -hmm. exact same plot. But you assume, that, assume that's what sort of 
that's what the impetus for her unleashing them upon the world yeah. is, you know. Yeah. Although, you know, I still wonder about Enchantress because, you know, she she seems to be the wild card in that. Does she somehow hijack the Joker's plot and start doing yeah. her own things? Like, I don't know quite how she fits in because she doesn't appear to be a member of the team. No, she doesn't, yeah. She seems to be some sort of third party with an agenda and the trailer shows that like she and Rick Flagg have some sort of pre-existing romance, which is new. Which uh, a lot of people are get a little wary of that because the mind immediately goes to Baroness. And yeah, and Duke and G.I. Joe. Duke, yeah, which I yeah, don't think I definitely that it would. Thought of that too, yeah, like, I don't think it'll read that way. I the tone not. of that, I think if you think about his movies, look at that trailer, like yeah. the tone certainly wouldn't be the same yeah. anyway. Um, any final thoughts on Suicide Squad before we move on? I honestly, I, I, I was, ex it's weird because that was the DC movie that I was just instinctually most excited about even before we saw anything from it. Yeah. And I'm 10,000 times, like, I just think it looks so good. Yeah, I'm, you know what, a lot had been said about, you know, uh, Warner Brothers clearly very unhappy that it leaked. Yeah. A very large school of thought says, well, you should have seen that coming. I mean, you did put out Batman v Superman right underneath, I mean, right after your panel. Um, not very realistic of them to think that it's not going to leak. I mean, there's yeah. never not been a leak. The problem is, the trouble with it is, okay, just swinging back to that really quickly, I think the reason that this looks so amazing is that it's very hard to do a story about the villains yeah. well, and this seemingly is doing that. As to the leak, like the trouble with that is, is that if there's nothing that's actually exclusive to Comic-Con, think about if you're the people that run Comic-Con, why are people gonna keep coming to your events? Unless there really truly can be things that are exclusive that you just see there. Or they actually just go back to going there for the love of comic books, which is how it started. Hollywood did kind of co-opt Comic-Con. That's Comic -Con. true, but I mean, it's so far down the road at this yeah. point, you know? I mean, so I feel like they probably have deals with the con itself to to not release everything. But there's no, and, and unless you take everyone's phones and people still sneak yeah. one in, unless there's metal detectors or Goldman was joking and EMP goes off, yeah. there's no way you're gonna secure that. No, you can't, it's impossible. You know, I mean, at least put it up online within the half an hour after the panel. It's rough because like I say, then why are you gonna go, if you were the consumer, just to see the actors? Yeah, the you wouldn't experience. want to go for the experience, the communal experience of it. I really don't think it would, I mean, I, mean, I would personally be fine with just watching on, online. I don't need to feel like, I, I don't need to be in Hall H, but I have to be for just to see the stuff. I, I, as a person, a member of the press, I would much rather just be able to watch it off-site and not deal with the craziness of trying to go there. Well, that's the point, though. Like, the people that run Comic-Con, this is their business. And, yeah. I mean, they have to. This is how they make a living, and this is their... So, I think at this point, Comic-Con is already so unwieldy in terms of, I think, you know, you we're very fortunate the way we get to experience it. Yeah. Very fortunate. But if I think about the people, this is what kills me. The people that don't just line up at 6 in the morning, but stay overnight or even longer, yeah. and then don't get into a panel, have a cutoff point. Yeah, yeah. Just say that this is where you've reached capacity. But and so that if somebody shows up there at four in the morning, they know to leave, that they're not gonna get in. Well, I mean, all the more reason then to release the footage. That, and what about the people who can't afford to go across country and go, you know, this is, it's tough to build buzz on something 
anymore if it's just people on Twitter saying, oh, that's cool, because yeah. people, you're not, you have to show them something to shake them out of whatever fast held opinion they have. And that doesn't always work even then, but you know, I just feel like it, that's, that thinking that you, know, you can just build it by word of mouth that's you could do that in 2006 you can't do that in 2015 like you need to i just think they need to start putting these things out because you know do a deal with comic-con put it up on their site then yeah but only people who've registered for san diego comic-con can actually view it for the first 24 hours i don't know I, i'm I not mean, a marketing guy right and i think that's that's se. the trouble the trick is that there's no real answer because i agree with you on the part of the consumer people that can't afford to go all that way or don't want to sit in line for overnight yeah. and i don't blame anybody for that at all no. um you know want to be able to see and enjoy it and i agree with you i'm just saying from the perspective of that of that business there yeah. probably there's just no good answer to it i mean it's also at the end of the day it is ip owned by a corporation yeah. and it was stolen yeah and but the flip side is deadpool which is <laughs> they were saying unless that stuff had been leaked the movie would not have been made Right, but so, you, you, know, you, when, you when you look at the Deadpool leak and the timing of it and how quickly that project they got greenlit, totally they did it. <laughs> yeah, come on. They yeah. did it. Wink. It, it was a test. In yeah. the same way the Ant-Man footage was a test. Yeah. It was to see how audiences were going to respond. Yeah. And then they got their answer and they greenlit it very quickly afterwards. Yeah. It was not some random, that wasn't an accidental leak. That yeah. was a purpose. It's a leak. good story and that's what yeah. they, you know, you want to be in control of your story. So let's, let's actually talk about Deadpool and then we'll jump into uh, X-Men. Then we'll talk about Star Wars more. Yeah. We did start, but why, what the hell? We're already on about Deadpool. Let's so, be on about Deadpool. So Deadpool, you know, it, it pretty much conquered Comic-Con. Yeah. It really was like, it, it gave DC a real run for their money, and it gave X-Men a run for their money, but Deadpool, you haven't been able to see the footage. I haven't. You'll have to take my word for it. Awesome. It was awesome. It was great. And I'm not even a Deadpool fan. Is it? Was it as good as the leaked test footage? It was better. It was better? And that, that sequence in the test footage is, was in the movie, but this time done, done well. live action yeah. and stuff. And, you know, he's got a, uh, they use salt and pepper's shoot, shoot, oh, you know? Shoot. And uh, so that was pretty funny. And then just like some of the kills, he does this one thing where he jumps over a car, shoots three guys through the head with one bullet. Awesome. And then like breathes in the, uh, the, the gun smoke and then says something uh, untoward, if you will, you know. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, it looked. Now I want to know what he said. Um, that he was going to pleasure himself when he got home. There you have it. Sounds like Deadpool. Uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna Deadpool, be pretty Deadpool, not insane. pleasuring myself. <laughs> All of it, whatever. I'm done with IGN. I'm gonna go pleasure <laughs> I'll myself. Just, <laughs> what are you gonna do? You go to Disneyland. I'm going to masturbate. Oh, oh there's no bell. Damn it. <laughs> For old times' sake. Uh, but yeah, overall, Deadpool really did um, seem to capture the absurdity, the meta nature. The, the ultra violence and the sort of um, just just out there profane aspect of that property. And, yeah. And you know, T.J. Miller and Ryan Ryan Reynolds had great banter and one upped each other with you know what he looked like disfigured. I can't I can't repeat what they said. 
But read our read our uh, our roundup of of uh, the panel. I am so excited about that one, and I think it has the same sort of. It's refreshing because it's just there's no other there's no other comic book movie out there like it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the graduation point of things like yeah. Kick Ass and Kingsman, but now you're really going. This is almost more like Natural Born Killers yeah. at this point, you know. Yeah. But um, what uh, did you see the um, Fantastic Four trailer that was released officially? I did. Okay, let's talk about Fantastic Four for, because to me of the. Fox panel, and we'll get to X-Men in a minute, but just Fantastic Four, to me, didn't, it, it's three weeks out from release and it didn't, it didn't land an impact. And why do you think that is? What was it about that trailer? I think it wasn't very, it, it's interesting, other than the idea of him as a kid, which we already sort of knew it's about. It's Tomorrowland, though. Yeah. He's like, the kid genius building the stuff in his, Building you know. the stuff in his, in his um, garage, literally. Yeah. Um, and I think other than introducing that idea, it, it, there wasn't much in that trailer that was different than what we'd seen before. Yeah. So like usually a trailer will take a different, even if it's not necessarily a ton of new footage, it's almost a different perspective. So yeah, if, yeah. if they've tone or something, tone, yeah. introduce yeah. more of the humor or, or more of the action, introduce more of doom. You know? All right, here's my thing. Why the hell were three weeks out, director Josh Trank was there at Comic-Con, said the movie was done, it was locked. Everything's done. Including Lo visual effects? Including visual effects. Opens in three weeks, so I would imagine they're probably gonna junk it in too. Yeah. Uh, why the hell have we not seen more of Doctor Doom at this point? Toby Kebbell was there. Yeah. What do I don't know. I mean, doesn't that just at this point, you're like, yeah, it's it's, dog with fleas maybe I don't know I don't know I mean I don't know if they're holding it back actually maybe it's so cool <laughs> no I mean really I don't know like maybe that's the coolest part of the movie and they're holding it back you know because they want it to they be a surprise let it go pretty soon because <laughs> release <laughs> Re onto the world release Dr. Doom um, release I just doom. I'm just like you know we when we were first starting to do these conversations about that movie like let's say six months ago and we we're worried but it was always well, we'll see more later. They'll definitely run. We're three weeks out, yeah. and he has two quick flashes in the trailer. I, I, it's, I am very fascinated to see this movie because yeah. what if this is like the biggest surprise of the year? What if, but what if Dr. Doom's literally in the movie five minutes? What if the whole movie is just people in a room talking for the most part, and then there's one big action scene, and it's done? You know, kind of like, remember X-Men 1, you could totally tell that you know they weren't given a lot of money and they tried to do what they yeah. could with the action but at least that ended with the Statue of Liberty battle you know mm -hmm. yeah I think like the train station sequence and that that was about it really yeah. and you know Wolverine and Sabretooth kind of tussled in the snow briefly but that was about it I like the idea that they tussled it Thank sounds you. so affectionate. <laughs> like you're playing with your dog in the, in the yard. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I guess he was kind of. Yeah, kind of. It was kind of a dog fight. But all right, so you're still cautiously optimistic about Fantastic Curious Four? is what I would curious. say. I'm Morbidly curious? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly? I'm, I'm, I'm highly curious because there's so many questions about it, you know, yeah. just in terms of whatever was going on in the production, which we won't dive into. We don't know exactly. We'll find out one of these days. Um, They've held so much back. Um, very few people have seen, usually by this point too, there are people that we know, like people in the press that have seen very, very early screenings. I haven't really heard that. 
I know of one person who've seen it. And oh, they are okay. not press, but they have friends who are press. And they told two friends who they told. So yeah. I've heard I've heard things. I hear things. Uh, In the telephone. That's right. Let's talk about X-Men Apocalypse, Let's though. do it. All right. That, they brought everyone on stage for that. Oh, it was awesome. Even Hugh Jackman came out. Yeah. Now, he wouldn't say that he's cameoing in either Apocalypse or Deadpool. He did come out to, once again, reiterate, the next Wolverine, the third Wolverine movie, is his last time putting on the claws. Um, and he basically came out on stage to say thank you to the fans and to Brian Singer for giving him his career. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was incredibly gracious and sweet, which is Hugh Jackman. You yeah. Know? He's a nice guy. Um, the footage that they showed was awesome. And as far as I know, they're not releasing that officially anytime soon. Deadpool's trailer will be online uh, in the next few weeks, probably with, with Fantastic Four. Um, and that's, I think, what is that, August 1st? or 3rd? Yeah. It's like the Guardians but of the Galaxy But you think they're going to hold that footage back maybe forever? <laughs> not forever. I mean, they have forever. a movie that has to come out sometime next well, year. Well, they might not show that exact footage, though. They'll show other things. You know what? I bet you, though, like, they, they did release the Days of Future Past trailer not long after the panel. So that's true. Maybe they'll drop it. You know, I mean, the, it didn't have a tremendous amount of special effects, but it certainly worked it yeah. was it had dramatic elements it showed you new characters it looked cool it had dramatic moments like it worked it's really know? funny because it was well put together you know we had um we had james mcavoy on the live stream he was there to talk oh. about mm. frankenstein which did um, not look good but oh i did not see that but mm. um i did talk to the very lovely stars james mcavoy and daniel radcliffe they are amazing, amazing actors and humans, and from what fellas. I can tell. Um, but McAvoy talked a little bit about, I asked him, you know, uh, like sort of about the nature of this film and if it was as much of a reset potentially as Days of Future Past. He's like, no, it's not going to be like a total reset like that. There's going to be a lot that's different. He's like, but at, that his that he would be more violent. And I said, a violent Professor X? And he's like, yeah. And then um, I was like, well, this is the third film that you're contracted for. Do you see moving on? And he was, he made a joke. He was like, well, I think if we make money. Um, <laughs> but he said he loves playing Chuck, um, which I thought was amazing, <laughs> and that he would definitely want to continue. And I said, do you think it can go on without Magneto and Mystique? Because Jennifer Lawrence has pretty much said she's done after that. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's barely Mystique in the trailer. She's yeah. showing up as Raven. And I, uh, there's some more details I can get into after, but... Well, he was like, you know, I think that it definitely can work without it. He's like, they're my friends, so I want them to be in it. And he's like, I think Fastbender's down to do more, um, notably not saying Lawrence was. But no, he's like, but done. the X-Men universe is so big, like, I think you can do it without them. Yeah. What do you think? I think that you need, you do need Professor X. Especially you need X, but do you need Magneto and Mystique? Magneto can skip a movie. I mean, he's... They've had other villains in each of those movies, and Magneto has been basically there to be the good bad guy, um, even even with Days of Future Past, with him dropping the stadium and all that. Bolivar Trask was still the main baddie um, in the Sentinels. Uh, I think you could I think you could move on, and you know they don't have to kill him; they can bring him back, but. And try a different route for a while. You know, there Such are such a big universe, and there's so many cool X-Men villains and X-Men characters. I mean, there's a lot you could do. Um, I mean, the X-Men went into space yeah. at, at 
couple of times, you know? So there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I, I just, I don't see you getting rid of Professor X in bringing in these young mutants. They're gonna need Professor X. And at the end of the trailer, you see him bald in the chair, basically wearing the suit and tie, just like basically Patrick Stewart. And, yeah. And McAvoy was pretty funny on the panel, busting, uh, Patrick Stewart was not there, but he was busting his chops saying like, you know, I, I just try to do it better than him because, you know, he's old. <laughs> but, you know, I love him. He paid for my house, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, it was it, it was definitely um, a fun panel and the footage. You know, Magneto has essentially been living in hiding, kind of like Wolverine was in X-Men Origins Wolverine mm -hmm. or Dexter going off at the end of the series. Sorry, spoiler. But I'm becoming like a, you know, he's got kind of a scraggly beard living in the woods. Mountain He may man. have started his own family. There was kind of a, a passing reference to that. Ooh. And, and. But, okay, anyway, And that ahead. the world, since the events of Days of Future Past and seeing um, Mystique essentially save uh, President Nixon, the world has come to be okay with mutants and be right. more accepting. And then Apocalypse, the original, you know, godlike mutant, and, and in fact, and this will probably get them for a Fox movie, this is a little ballsy, uh, you know, he says at one point in the trailer something like, he's been known by many names, including Yahweh, which wow. is, you know, God, the Hebrew God, yeah. so you're kind of like, ooh, somebody somewhere is going to get a little peeved when they start so hearing this. So many somebodies. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think he said, it's like I've been known as like Krishna and Yahweh and all this stuff, so you're like, yeah, buddy. Well, yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah. well, Krishna's blue, so that makes sense. Apocalypse was blue. I know, which, is, thing. which is why it Which is sense. funny, because he doesn't really look like Apocalypse in the comics, who I had blue Krishna's armor and gray blue. skin. Yeah. Or is it Vish, uh, Vishnu is blue? Maybe Vishnu is blue. Who's blue? Is it Vishnu? You're, you're not a very good Hindu. <laughs> I know. I, I, I have to go back to Hindu school. All right. So. I actually studied Sanskrit in college and read the Bhagavad Gita in Sanskrit. So I should remember this. Um, wow, what have you done? But that's what right? drinking will do to you. Carry on. College, oh, the, those <laughs> days. Um, so Apocalypse, they did release a poster uh, of uh, like um, artwork of, of uh, Oscar, uh, Oscar Isaac's uh, Apocalypse. He looked a little different in the poster. His skin was actually black in the poster like almost like obsidian mm -hmm. and the armor too was darker and then the in the trailer he's got pretty much like mystique color blue skin like metallic blue well he like can change oh yeah i'm pretty sure he can change can yeah. he change i forgot i don't know yeah. but it's i think they're doing that so that he doesn't necessarily look like thanos yeah because if you look at like <laughs> there's just a group of guys there's like Thanos, Darkseid, and Apocalypse, that all have that kind of similar look, and they're all kind of coming up <laughs> soon. Coming up in the world. So you kind of need to differentiate them. Yeah. The thing that struck me, though, is that he is not necessarily, he doesn't tower over the rest of them like I thought it would. Like yeah, would. That's, that was a topic. He was kind of like normal height. Yeah, you know? which, which is interesting, right? Yeah. So maybe know? his power center isn't. Well, maybe you can just. Yeah. Maybe he can get bigger. <laughs> when the apocalypse comes, he'll get bigger. It comes hard. Uh, <laughs> um, any, uh, 
I'm what just else? doing anything I lost. want. This is your final one. <laughs> Gonna go full blue. Full Why blue. Not? Why not? Back we'll to just the blue. we'll just have to age gate this sucker. <laughs> yep. She don't care. What she, she, what are you gonna care. do? Fire me? I'm I, out. I care about the children if there are children paying <laughs> attention. Oh hey, something I forgot to mention. There oh, one bit of DC news that came out of the panel was um, Green Lantern Corps movie. Yeah. So there's rumors about multiple Green Lanterns. It makes sense. Why hedge your bets on Hal Jordan? What if yeah. people reject him again? Hey, you got John Stewart, Kyle yeah. Rayner, Guy Gardner all hand around. And I there. think also we talked about this. That was the part of that movie that was entertaining. That was the, my that favorite part of it was all too. the stuff on Oa. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Star Wars: The Force Awakens. The sizzle reel that was shown there was this sort of behind the scenes. Really gave you the feels. It gave me thing. so many feels. And it's I mean, out online officially. So I, I'm not. I'm not lying when I say that during that panel. Like, first of all, just the the passion. The I think the really genuine passion that J.J. Abrams has for this. Yeah. And then the that the you're filled in this room with those fans, including yourself, right? Yeah. And then they. Sh and the fidelity of of their approach, but yeah. not like. It's not slavish because you're being shown all new characters. All new characters. Ones. But it feels like that world. It feels like yeah. you're even more than the prequels, which were made by the same guy, the creator. Yeah. That never felt tangible to me, but and, this does. And, and then when you see that creature just come out and come walking across. Baba Joe. Baba Joe. I love that he has like a redneck name. Yeah, I know? know. Come walking across the stage and he's so much personality to him just in the yeah. design yeah. and like this small expressions that he's giving yeah. the audience you know yeah. it's just like I, I truly got choked up yeah. I had genuine feelings and then Harrison Ford was sort of optimistic about it I know Harrison Ford has been a notorious well he's a notorious grump but he has not been the biggest cheerleader of Star Wars no. in the last 30 years. He really hasn't. It's been this thing that has been for him seemingly as much as others have embraced and rolled into it and celebrated it, like us. He's It's been like an albatross on his neck. It That's really how has. he's felt about it. He's always been a cheerleader for Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones like he Star loves. Wars, he just sort of bristles. When yeah. Bring up. But when asked about it, he was like, you know, you know, what was it like to get back into this character again? He said, you know, I thought it would feel ridiculous because I'm a grown man and yeah. I have grown up and this has been a lot of years. He's like, but I will tell you it felt great. And I think that was him being really genuine because yeah. I think he felt like he had the right people were behind it yeah. and it's the right story. He likes the, yeah, he really, he, he did uh, praise the script yeah. quite a bit. He uh, gave a shout out to Lawrence Kasdan who was on stage, um, the screenwriter. And he also, you know, Peter Mayhew, we should say as well, was there, but he was in the audience. He's, yeah. you know, ailing. Um, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher were there. And just to see the big three, the original three, yeah. together on stage with your own eyes. And, you know, Harrison Ford comes out, gives Mark Hamill a kiss on the cheek. You're like, oh, ah, they love each other. Ah. And Carrie Fisher is just like, like she's everything you think she would be, you know. Just salty and, yeah. you know. And it's, you know, I think she said that they, it was the same, but they looked a little more melted is how yeah, she phrased she it. She, she was like, but she was like, but they're supposed to. And that's one of the things that she liked about it, that they weren't backing off from the fact that they had aged yeah. um, and that age changes you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then, it, then you've got the young goodies and the three baddies. That, now, I think the baddies kind of uh, of the new cast, they definitely stole a show because D um, Star Wars Celebration, 
that was the heroes. That was the 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 new trili- uh, trinity of yeah. you know Oscar Isaac, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega. Uh, that was their <clears throat> moment. Yeah. This time we finally got the bad guys. Yes. Gwendolyn Christie, who has Brianna freaking Tarth. No, her character. Oh, Captain Phasma. And uh, Kylo Ren himself, Adam yes. Driver, and then Donald Gleason as. And this was news. We found out he is named General Hux. Who runs Starkiller Base. Right. Nice way to spoil that in front of the... You could just see J.J. Abrams. He's going to be like, terrified. We weren't going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> that poor guy was has been already so terrified to say anything. He's going to be... He's going <laughs> to tape his own mouth shut. He's going to be their Michael Caine. Where he really Michael is. Caine just gave up everything. And, you know. No, but he I won't say anything. I bloody think Alfred might die in this one. You know, something. What's funny to me is that he's... Everything I see him in, he looks... He's just so sweet and charming. Yeah. Except, like, Frank, he's kind of a heel. Yeah. Um, but he's an unthinking heel. He said he's an out-and-out, like, He said villain. he's an out-and-out out villain. Yeah. Because he's British. Because he's British, and he plays <laughs> he General Hux. And then, um, overall, I mean, that sizzle reel is online, so check it out. Yeah. I want to run down some of the other stuff uh, real quick at, at Comic-Con. Quentin Tarantino was there with Hateful Eight, brought out the whole cast except Sam Jackson. Uh, the big noteworthy thing that he said, though, after giving a big speech about why 70 millimeter is important because the movie's going to be in 70 mil, um, he said that he may not retire 10 films. Like he said, he kind of just said it offhand in an interview and it took on a life of its own. Um, he's like, you know, maybe I'll hit 15 films. Maybe I'll do 10 films, but go to TV and do three min- miniseries. Yeah, that'd it be all awesome. comes down to like he doesn't want to work in digital. And he's like, mm-hmm. if it gets to the point where I can't work in film anymore, and I'm working on essentially glorified TV show, I might as well just go to TV. So there's something there. Uh, Mocking Jay was there, final appearance, Jennifer Lawrence, the whole cast. Frank, uh, Victor Frankenstein was there and just didn't do anything for me. I don't think they quite get the story and the creature is just an out and out uh, force of evil and that's not the creature in Frankenstein. Well, it's funny because I talked to Daniel Radcliffe and I was like, oh, I love this story. And he's like, well, unfortunately, what I've been telling people is that if you love the book, you're going to hate this movie. Yeah. And he's like, well, not really, are. but he's like, it's very different. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a reason why that book's been around for, ooh, I don't know, 200 years. and I don't know. Yeah, I, I'll, we'll I'll go in with an open mind, though. I do love that book. Crimson Peak looked uh, pretty scary mm. in that Tom Hiddleston is a charming mofo. Uh, you got to interview him and Jessica Chastain and Mia, which I know was, was a casting. Like, like yeah. our friend Silas says, the way that he remembers how to say her name is he thinks of a Russian who's never seen a cow. What's what? <laughs> That's actually awesome advice. What's a Kowski? Uh, um, one last thing uh, I want to say is. And Guillermo was there. Yeah. Guillermo was there. <laughs> Warcraft. Now, I got to say, this is their third year at Comic Con. And the footage didn't really grab me. It, they showed quite a bit of it and big posters. And it looked cool, but it looked like cutscenes from a game. And it kind of like a bit of the rise of, of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes stories in terms of two warring tribes. Which is interesting because, again, it's Toby Kebbell and, and MoCap doing it. But you just walked out of it like, what the hell is going on? Who is who? What does any of this matter? Like, it reminded me of, like, when you would see trailers for, like, the Blu-ray extended edition of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And you know it's a trilogy of movies, but they're pushing everything into one, uh, you know, um, uh, compact sizzle reel. 
this is like we want to do all three movies in one movie and I just felt like I mean they put up 10 posters we have 10 main characters yeah who you know outside of the orc and um, whose name I can't remember uh, who's got like a wife and a kid you know Travis Fimmel is there and he kind of plays like a knight or something and it's just sort of like I don't really know who to root for and I don't understand in a world like they orcs jump through this like a, a portal into this other realm and I don't understand why the orcs are such a threat in a world where there are humans who are technologically kind of advanced to them there are elves there are like uh, mages uh, mages and, and I'm like really what are the why, why is the why are the orcs a threat because they're well, kind of tall I haven't seen the they're footage pretty primitive next to them yeah yeah I haven't seen the footage so I don't know exactly the track that the movie has taken yeah. there's a lot of magic involved in things but also I, from my understanding of Warcraft is that you're not necessarily supposed to root for anyone that it's that it's genuinely well, no, that it's genuinely this idea of war, like how war happens. And there are very few wars that you can say that one side is definitively right. Yeah. Um, very yeah, few. Yeah, definitely. That is going to be yeah. an approach in the movie. Is like, you can, can say that about ground? World War Two. Yeah. For sure. You yeah. know what I mean? But there's very, very... That there, that there is a definitive... That there is a definitive right side that that is a just war. Yeah. That needed to be won the way it was won. Yeah. Um, and, well, maybe not the way, but that's the that side needed that needed to, yeah. to win. Um, very few wars can you say that about, you know? Yeah. I don't, Couldn't say that about, uh, you know, the war of... of uh, 1812? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Which actually started in 1814. Yeah, you just got taken to school. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Oh, one little news bit that came out of Comic-Con. Uh, Dennis Leary was on our live stream, and he said, and we asked about, like, were you bummed that Amazing Spider-Man, basically the series got cut short. And he said, yeah, because in the third one, they were supposed to resurrect him as Captain Stanley, which kept chins a-wagging about, like, did that mean they wanted to do the clone saga in the third one? But as far as I'm concerned, we dodged a bullet then on that one. Um, let's, before we jump into, uh, what's opening this weekend, just want to say that Minions is the current box office champ, the second biggest animated op uh, movie opening of all time with, uh, almost 116 million. People love the Minions. I guess they, they do. Oh, you know who doesn't? Them. You know who doesn't? My five-year-old niece. Does not like My the sister and her husband wanted to go see it. They, they thought it looked hilarious. They want to go see it. My little niece, five, she says, no, they're oily and annoying. Oily? <laughs> like, oily and annoying. All right. Very specific. No bananas. Very specific reason for why she didn't want to see it. So I'm like, all right. But she's got, she's got frozen fever though, right? Yeah. She loved that stuff. Uh, but she also loves The Flash. So yeah, she loves DC. She, she's, she's a DC girl more than Marvel. She can't it's so really get into Marvel. It's so interesting. I wonder where she got that from, Uncle Jim. I wonder if I any part of her I has been indoctrinated. Marvel. I love Marvel, I but <laughs> DC, I got to say, makes more kid-friendly stuff. Brave and the Bold and <clears throat> some of the Justice League stuff and Super Friends, all that. It's a little, you know, a little better. Uh, I feel like more appropriate for kids. But let's talk about Marvel. Let's talk about Marvel. All right. So let's. 
we're going to talk about Ant-Man, but first let's let's do a little bo box office prognostication, then we're going to do kind of a, an abbreviated spoiler cast on this one. So Eric Goldman today read, and I don't know the context for this, some crazy box office prediction for over a hundred, no, that, which that's, is that's which was not going to do not going to do that. No, yeah. it's it's been tracking uh, for the last couple of weeks between fifty-five and sixty-five million, which would be the lowest opening since Thor, one Cap, one, and the Incredible Hulk. But it's still a good opening weekend. Oh yeah, we're just used to these sort of. Uh, uh, stratospheric kind of openings now for Marvel movies. Um, you know, considering it's a movie about a guy who turns into the, somebody the size of an ant, I think a $60 million opening weekend is probably pretty it's, damn good. I think so too. You know, this one, this campaign, I think um, the general audiences probably had less. I don't think it, the, the marketing campaign, I don't think, reached. Yeah. Either general audiences or necessarily well, those spots in the trailers have been totally kind of. Some of them look really like kind of dumb and glib. The other ones seem like to capture it just right. Right, and then there was another one that just seemed too dark. And yeah. I was like, you know, we've seen the movie and it's a fun like it's like an eighties movie. It's a fun action comedy. And I and think it, it has just, some whimsy to it. I yeah. think the, that that's a hard thing to capture in marketing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It kind of, um, it, it just, it definitely to me felt like a like a movie that would have come out in like 1988. You know? I don't know. I mean, I it's funny because I really enjoy Peyton Reed's movies. And yeah. I think that when he decides to riff off kind of a genre, he does it really well. Um, and he's a very fun director. It moves very fast. Right, right. Um, I, I think that you can still feel... Edgar Wright's vision on it to some degree. Yeah. Um, not it's not an Edgar Wright movie. It doesn't yeah, have that no. feel. Um, but I, I have to say I, think I walked. It's very out of, fun. I, I have to say I walked out of the movie, um, and I, I didn't have any overwhelming sense of like you know, Edgar got screwed or you know they should have just gone with Edgar. It, we'll, we'll never quite know what is you know, unless they release the script like what his movie would have been, what exactly it was. It, well, we'll probably find that out pretty soon after the movie opens. Like, what was the last straw? And we can speculate that when we get to our spoiler section. But I didn't feel like um, I didn't feel like I necessarily like lost out on something. I, I, the movie I got was perfectly entertaining, and I'm, I'm happy for it. It ultimately had nowhere to go but up. Yeah, and I think it it met those relatively modest expectations, you know? And I think that it fits nicely within kind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Tonally, yeah. it sort of fits within it. But then also, like, there are certainly connections to the larger universe, but yeah. it's not sh shoving them down your throat. You know, this isn't right. a movie about setting up 10 other movies. It's a movie, um, it's its own little story. And yeah. it's a really simple, clear story but that's not a bad thing no it's not and, and it's, in fact it was a it was re refreshing it was refreshing after you know age of Ultron, which felt like it had so many moving parts to it and so much sort of like set up for for phase three especially yeah. with the thor ragnarok stuff and yeah. like to me it was just that was a bit too much you know? i think it was that movie was trying to serve so many masters that yeah. it was like it was a herculean challenge just to have it make sense you know yeah. It was entertaining, but this one's just a really clear story. It's this guy's story, you know, yeah. these characters. 
It's a ABC redemption arc. Redemption arc, and it's also uh, you know a little heist. Yeah, and it's not overly complicated. You know, no. it's not like it's these kid are friendly too. It's very kid friendly because it's not like these are the sixteen steps. I love con movies that like they go back and you look at the sixteen steps and they're like, oh, yeah. that was amazing. You know, yeah, I love. But th that's not quite this. Yeah. Um, but it's riffing on those genres. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, Michael Pena. It, it's a yeah, he's hilarious. I mean, it's got more in common. Probably with Ocean's Eleven than it does Avengers. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I put that in my watch if you liked, actually, as it turns have out. It. You reviewed the movie for us. Um, we're going to do a spoiler cast in a minute, but for those folks who might uh, want to just jump out of the podcast now and then come back and watch the spoiler cast, any closing words on... on being a, a, a host here and keeping it real for the viewers and fans. Thank you so much for watching Keeping It Real. Thank you for being supportive of my time here. It's been so much fun. Thank you, Jim, for allowing me to join you on your podcast. Thank, well, thank you for uh, for doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I knew you before you worked here, and I'll know you after it. So it's been it's been fun. We kept it real. We did keep and, it real. Uh, you'll, I'll miss it a lot. You know, we'll always have that butter. We will always have the butter, and thank you guys for real, seriously, for, for the tweets and being supportive, and that feels so good. Yeah. Like, it makes such a difference. It really does. It really does. So, thank you, Roth, and uh, stick around now. We're going to get into an Ant-Man spoiler cast, but uh, Roth, do you want to close out with any, any uh, uh, charge it kind of Captain Phasma or anything? Captain Phasma, hail to the butter! <laughs> I would curse a bunch, but... Well, you can at the end. We can always bleep it out. We should just do like a sizzle What if I just like... Cur a like, super cut of like you like... All of the times. All the blue words. <laughs> he, you, he used to have to stop the podcast. He used to have to. We're not supposed back to swear. Yeah. And start again because I would curse was, so much. It was crazy. I've gotten so much better. I used to, I used to, you know, it was kind of easier back when you could just swear. Yeah. But now we got to be all like grown up and stuff. And I used to not say stuff after that. I'm going to miss it a lot. I really am. All right. Well, thank you. Stick around. We're going to talk about Ant-Man. Oh, you're still here. Oh, hi. Nice oh, to meet you. Hello. We are going to talk Ant-Man spoilers now. Uh, we're going to put this section of the podcast up on, on this weekend after the movies come out. We also, I should say, have a little spoiler chat with Michael Douglas, Kevin Feige, head of Marvel Studios, and director Peyton Reed. Uh, about some of these very things we're going to talk about. But let's get the IGN editor, geek, resident geek kind of insights into things. Let's start with... We'll also have quotes from, sorry. Oh, yeah. From... Uh, from the junket. From the junket, yeah. From... Um, Evangeline Lilly, right? From Evangeline Lilly, a little bit. We have from... Who the hell Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll. I don't remember. Who we'll else did out. I damn talk to? Penia? Pena, yes. Okay. And um, Paul Rudd, actually. And there Paul you go. Rudd, Paul yes. Rudd. There's a himself. there is a um, after credit sequence that we talked about. All right. So let's let's just dive into it. Let's talk first of all about the cameo of a. It's actually a little bit more of a more than a cameo. Uh, small supporting role for Falcon. Yeah. Wasn't that awesome? That was so awesome, and obviously setting up kind of their the beginning of their relationship yeah. in Civil War. Right. You know, and maybe how he's kind of called into action and gets more involved with them. Which I'll, I mean, I just well that last tag with yeah. Winter Soldier. Right. Kind of like I, I was surprised by that. 
Um, where, uh, I think it was Feige said, or he said somewhere, I, don't, I forget if he said it on our thing or somebody else's, but they were in the middle of, of filming Civil War and they got to that scene and that reference and he was like, you know what? This would be actually a great thing to just take it out of this movie and put it into Ant-Man at yeah. the end. And so that was pretty smart thinking on, on their part. What did you think of uh, <laughs> just the Ant-Man-Falcon battle? And it, it made perfect sense to me. I loved it and I loved that he also was in, in an organic way, kind of like knew who they were, yeah. you know, and was like meeting a celebrity, but also yeah. kind of had to kick his butt, you yeah, know, yeah. at the same time. And it reminded um, me of Ted, too, how they yeah. have to break into Tom Brady's house. Yeah. You know, it's I like, we love you, Tom Brady. Oh, it's on the trailer. Yeah. It's on the trailer. But I love the fact that he's like, yeah, nice to see you. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And Falcon has one job. Make sure nobody breaks into Avengers headquarters. Yeah. And, of course, it goes to pot, Completely you know. Completely right. But it was great. Actually, it made sense for them. Ultimately, you could really only have used either Falcon or Iron Man for that because the idea of him being able to miniaturize himself and go into the suit and yeah. basically take him out of action, like clip his wings. Yeah. Uh, it made perfect sense to have it be Falcon. And I don't, th yeah, I don't think you could have it be Iron Man, A, because of the cost of Downey, practically <laughs> right. speaking, yeah. but also in terms of that world, I don't think that you could have that like you nascent Ant-Man. You can't have him taken out by Ant-Man. Yeah. Ant you need the new guy taken out. Yeah, you need, because I think they're also setting up Falcon to have a bigger role in this universe, but it's okay if Ant-Man takes him out. But you know? Ant-Man and Falcon actually could have I bet you those two would actually have great yeah. banter together because Mackie is funny as hell in person. You He's know? hilarious. And I could see those two like really having some great improv together. It, interviewing him is tough only in the sense that like he'll distract you and with he'll play hilarity. the room with yeah. everybody. Like the man has a very healthy, you know, good ego, but like, you know, he knows that he can command an audience, yes. you know, and he's very funny. Uh, what let's talk about um, Wasp. Yes. Okay, so we set up. We get we get to see Evangeline Lilly not in the costume but see the costume mm -hmm. at the end. It and is your destiny. It is your destiny. Now you know it's funny. Uh, I forgot that Hope Pym or Van Dyne um, in the comics becomes a bad guy. She becomes a villainess. Uh, Red Queen, I think. Mm. Um, this clearly setting her up to be a good guy to take yeah. over her mom's role as Wasp. Well, you never know. She's got she's she's got some anger issues. She does, right? She got some daddy issues. Um, although they did they tried they to did work it out. Try to work it out, and you know they have Paul Rudd try to ruin the moment and all that. Um, but you know, we do see we never get to see her face, but we do see young Wasp and young Hank Pym in action, and that the scene on the rocket where they're trying to like um, uh, disarm the nuke and put it into you, reminded me a bit of like the Captain America yeah. uh, origin, I mean, the Captain America story from the old comics where Bucky dies, it's kind of a similar thing, like they're trying to stop the thing that's, you know, diffuse the bomb and they one of the this they one of the heroes doesn't make it. You know? I think that it's funny because I don't think in a manipulative way, but in a way that they have hedged their bets because seemingly it is possible to get someone out of there once they're in. Yeah, into the subatomic. In the subatomic. So, and if she's gone to a, to a place where their space and time no longer exists, then she's the same age. That see now that's what I was curious about was, um, and I asked the filmmakers about this when they came in, and you know you guys can watch that video. They kind of wouldn't quite say 
anything except uh, Peyton Reed said, if you look closely in the sequence where he's in the subatomic level, you might notice a little something somewhere. So now I can't wait to see the movie yeah. to look for that. But yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wait a minute, she's been down there for 25 years. She's starved to death, but... But I don't think, you and I talked about this. time froze, But time froze, and there is no time, there is no space, so but she doesn't But what need... about your actual bodily functions, because you still exist? But there is no 25 years. For her, it's been a second. Hmm. Or forever. It's absence of time. And so she wouldn't have aged, she doesn't need to eat, it's just absence of time and space. You don't even have to go to the bathroom? And you don't have to do anything, because there is no passage of time. There is no sucks, time. Though. That's like a living hell. Well, yeah, I mean, wouldn't she come out of that and just be absolutely? She may be bonkers. Batty, you she know? may be. She maybe she's the bad guy. That would be because interesting. she's back and she comes back. Yeah. looking for like because I feel like he would once he knows that it's possible to get out, he's going in after her. Yeah, you know, her husband is and, going in and after her. And some people were were criticizing like she just found out her mother's alive, but she doesn't seem like she wants to do anything about her. Or she kind of switches gears. I'm like, look, you just jumping into the subatomic levels, you got to be a little prepared for that. You know? Yeah, exactly. I think like she would either go in after her or he would go in after yeah. her. Although he says he can't because the suit took a toll on her, so maybe it would be her. But they could rebuild the suit. And, you know, it's interesting, the fact that he could essentially, in a way, like turn himself into giant man in yeah. a way that just to escape it, even though he just turning himself back into his normal size, it showed that he could reverse it, so that, I mean, I think it's a pretty safe bet Then we'll probably see Giant Man pop up at some point yeah, in the future. Yeah, exactly. What did you think of um, uh, Corey Stoll's yellow jacket? I think that the tough part, I actually, Corey Stoll, I think, is a great actor. Yeah, and I think he, he really brought everything he had to this role, and he invested in it emotionally and otherwise. I think that... I told him this at the junket, and I think that the odd effect that he had as a character. Sorry, allergies. No, yeah, it's ants inside there, little tiny soldiers inside your nose, the subatomic zone of your nose. <laughs> An army comes out. Um, I feel like the odd effect that he had was selling me on the idea of Ant-Man because right. his enthusiasm for for tiny soldiers was so unabashed that I was like, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Like I'm buying what this guy's selling, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's <laughs> actually the purpose that he served. He also was like a catalyst for some really fun and really, really, I, I thought unique action sequences that worked within this world. That whole last bit and the, uh, the, the kids. The cure. Yeah. The cure moment. Yeah. I was such yeah. a cure fan that I was just like, when they started playing Disintegration. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they, the, um, the, the only, my thing is that ultimately I feel like Yellow Jacket's a, a weak villain, yet another Marvel villain that didn't quite, you know, good actor, weak character kind of thing. He did, to me, seem like the poor man's Obadiah Stane. Well, I also felt like, kind of because you, you didn't get a chance to really know him, that whole mentor-mentee arc mm. where he's so upset that Hank never gave him any... Because um, Hank doesn't seem like he really, really gives a damn. No, he doesn't. And, and the fact that that, like, sort of was driving him, I thought that they didn't sell all that well yeah, emotionally. Yeah, they needed to kind of dive. You could tell that was, like, one of those rewrite moments where, yeah. like, yeah, we don't really have time to dive into that, but if you say it enough times, they'll that, they'll you they'll know. get it, and that'll be his motivation. Yeah, the other than the just rule money, of three, you just say something three times, yeah. and, and you know. Because I think they didn't want the motivation just to be that he was greedy, but but he started going nuts from using uh, the um, yeah 
yeah. the suit and not being, you know, the, the helmet uh, wasn't like, you know, the way that... But it, I never felt like they really distinguished that much between the guy that was just a D-bag and the guy that was an insane D-bag. Yeah. You know what I no, mean? No, they needed to... They needed to it needed a scene or two of, of sort of clarification mm -hmm. of that. I definitely agree. Uh, Michael Pena, oh scene God. stealer, you know? He was so great. I would say that he would stole the show, but I think everybody around him was so great that he yeah. didn't. It was but a great he, ensemble. You know? He was awesome. Yeah. He was hilarious. Yeah, and just that, that whole, you know, it kind of again like an Ocean's Eleven thing, but telling the story yeah. and then having everyone else act yeah. out. You know, and then the and Paul Rudd is such a great comedian and he I said this in my review there's something about him that's really fascinating because he has been a movie star for most of his adult life and he still seems like a dude like yeah. just one of the guys that's been around for like 20 years with yeah. some friends and know? I love I love the like you know just wrong details you know yeah. like yeah. as he's telling the story <laughs> And they are absolutely the wrong details, but they're hilarious <laughs> details that he's telling. What What did you think of um, uh, the the 1980s like kind of preamble, the prologue, where you got to see like the Shield uh, headquarters being built? What What did you think of the de aging effect? You know, it's funny because I heard a few people had problems with it. It worked just fine for me. Yeah. Um, I thought the archival footage of the Ant-Man, oh, right, right. that's why you needed Corey Stoll to sell you on it because I think it could have looked very silly, yeah. but the fact that he's like, this is awesome, yeah. let me tell you why this is great and it really works, you take that journey with him, right. that's the first person that sells you on this idea. Yeah, no, it's you true, know? yeah. And the uh, the also like just seeing... Um, John Slattery back as Howard Stark mm -hmm. and Haley Atwell. Um, I, I find it funny that they digitally de-aged him and then just did makeup for her. Yeah. You know? Why can't you do both? It looks expensive. I guess so. I guess so. Because <laughs> uh, um, one, you have an option and the other you don't. That's true. You can't. You can age her with makeup, but you can't de-age him with makeup. No, if you could do that, there's a whole <laughs> world of money to be made in nope. the cosmetic industry. What did you think of the uh, the little Spidey reference made there at one point with it's Falcon? It's so funny because I heard that um, Feige was saying, "Oh, that wasn't that wasn't a direct Spider-Man reference," but I'm like, "Really?" It's something about crawling walls or crawling something. walls and swinging through the city. Yeah, that's not Spider-Man because that seems like that's Spider. I is think it, that's is it Batman. You know like, what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's definitely Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like they probably shot a bunch of like, you know, one-offs on yeah. different things and like, hey, look, if we got the rights, we can tr throw that in there. Yeah. You know, what the hell, get one take of that. Um, but it was cool to see them start setting it up and, and uh, I do hope that at some point in Civil War, because we know both characters are in there, that Ant-Man and Spider-Man have some sort of like, you know, bug uh, discussion of like, hey, we're the only two insect themed yeah. heroes. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what do you, you, know, what, what do you think? What's you know, up, spiders, buggy boy? Don't spiders eat ants? Yeah, they, well, spiders eat all other bugs pretty much, yeah. Do they like flies? Maybe they won't get along together. But he, he likes this flying ant. I love the fact that ant, that the ants were characters in the movie to the yeah. point that you got attached. Anthony or whatever, yeah. you know? And when he shows a little wing, like, he bought it. He took one for the team. He did, you know? little Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony. Anthony, yeah. I thought, it, yeah, I thought that was great. I thought the ant effects and the way that they kind of each group of ants had their own sort of function, which I guess is true to nature. Uh, was was really fascinating, and I could see, 
I could see kids really responding to this movie. Oh, yeah. Are ants the new dinosaurs? I <laughs> hope so. Maybe they'll get... Remember, ant farms used to be a thing back in the day. Yeah. yeah I was teasing some of the Marvel people about, like, man, you really miss the... Uh, you really missed the, the chance for a branded Marvel ant farm with this yeah. movie. You know? But uh, any other final thoughts on Ant-Man? You know, I honestly, it's funny because I really think it's fun. You yeah. know, I, I think Guardians for me is my favorite. And then right with it is Winter Soldier. Yeah. But I really enjoyed this one a lot. I yeah. thought it was a very entertaining, well-told movie, yeah. you know? Simple and sort Simple of Simple and clear. Yeah. Great um, cast. I, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I would probably put it like middle of the pack of Marvel movies. Um, I thought uh, it was well directed too. Yeah, I like painting. I thought it was and I, I thought it was you know, some of the visual moments of visual humor in mm -hmm. there, like the Thomas the Train and all that. <laughs> Just fantastic. And um, I love that it was something different. Like we went to it, it showed you a, a totally different facet of the Marvel Universe than just a portal opening up from a sky yeah. and fighting some dude or, you know. Uh, Many dudes. In a, in a weird way, it was an antidote to Avengers Age of Ultron, which I liked, <laughs> but it had a lot of problems and frankly went in one ear and out the other with me, so. I, I think that it, this is such a different film. Like, it's just, mm. you know, Reminds to me, me more of, like, the Phase 1 movies. Yeah, I mean, to me, Ultron, like, you have to know so much already mm. to really be able to connect to that movie. It's just a tough problem, that movie was... Yeah. It was a hard, unwieldy beast, I think. Right. And this one isn't, you know? I think that, like, again, my brother, who is always the one, <laughs> could easily go see this movie and yeah. follow... I mean, he wouldn't really quite... Get who Falcon is, but right. but it would also be fine. He would get yeah. that that was a funny moment. I mean, they name check Avengers, so he's yeah. like, all right, one of those guys. Yeah, exactly. But uh, all right, well, we want to know what you guys thought of Ant Man. Uh, be mindful of spoilers, I guess. But hey, it's a spoiler cast, so just you know, don't spoiler. ruin it for other people that you know haven't seen it yet. You know, don't mm. don't be a jerk to your friends or people online. Just. Be mindful of it, as be I'm nice. sure you will be. There's only a few bad apples. Um, <laughs> but overall, uh, we highly recommend Ant-Man. You are the official reviewer of that movie, and I concur. It's a lot of fun. Guys, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Um, continue to follow Roth at, at Roth Cornet. I'm at Jim Vavita. Uh, Roth, again, thank you for being with IGN. Thank you for being on Keeping It Real. And thank you. And thank you guys. For all things movies, keep it here on IGN. <laughs>